Welcome to the Family Law Now podcast. I'm Russell Alexander. The question we're examining today is whether courts should order kids to go back to school and attend in person. We've got some really special guests today, some repeat offenders, so to speak. Nafisa Nazarelli is with us. Michelle Mulchins with us. We've got dogs and sirens in the background. <laughs> got a little bit of everything for people today. Uh, and more importantly, we've got a newbie, Bill Rogers. Um, so welcome everybody. Thanks for joining us today. Thank Thanks for, for having, having us. us. Thanks, Russ. So what we're talking about today is a very recent decision from the Superior Court of Justice out of Newmarket, Chase versus Chase. This was released August 25th, 2020. Today's August 27th. We wanted to get this decision out there as soon as possible. There's lots of parents struggling with whether they're sending their children back to school during a pandemic. Lots of people still scared and properly worried about their family's safety. Separated parents may try to use it to perhaps change an existing custody order if one parent's able to homeschool. So the issue in this particular case was, are we requiring a child to return to school in person in the fall of 2020 with the pandemic still, we're still in the midst of the pandemic, uh, or should that child be allowed to homeschool with one of the parents? So let's make a start. Nafisa is gonna give us a bit of a background of this case. Yeah, so this is a, a, a difficult decision regarding in-person attendance. Um, so the, the facts of this case is it's a nine-year-old boy um, who's uh, going to be attending grade four French immersion starting um, in September of 2020. Um, and mother wants the child to attend in person. Father um, disagrees with mother's um, choice of wanting to uh, the, the child to go back. and. Um, they have left it up to a judge to determine whether the child should go back to school or not. So those are kind of the, the basic facts. And the judge even acknowledges in this decision, she, he's never met this child, she, he probably will never meet this child. And the parents have decided to let a complete stranger, a judge, decide what's right for their family. It raised an interesting issue of the law of urgency. Now, people may not know what that means. Uh, Michelle, can you give us a bit overview of what what the court talks about when it talks in terms of language of urgency? Absolutely. So in most cases, the family law rules state that there are certain steps that have to be brought before parties can bring a motion. And there are reasons for that. The courts want the parties, one, to be able to communicate with one another and try to resolve the issues prior to going to court. Two, if they can't resolve the issues, then we'd like to first canvas them in a um, open concept, we call them conferences. So the courts want the parties to usually have gone through a case conference where they tried to resolve the issues with the assistance of another judge. So it's only in cases where the court finds that there's urgency or hardship that they'll actually allow parties to bring a motion prior to a case conference. And uh, it's a very strict rule and it's a very high bar to actually have to, um, to get past. But in this case, the courts found that, you know, we are, as you said, we're living through a pandemic. It's such an interesting, unique um, history changing time in our lives that there is this new issue of what do we do with kids? And, um, you know, the court ultimately found that, yes, even though we are 
you know, two and a half weeks before school starts, that wouldn't be enough time to get um, a proper conference done. And the parties can't attend a um, MIP, a mandatory information program, which allows them to um, understand and hear about their rights and responsibilities. There just isn't time. So the court found that there was urgency in this case. And that's exactly right. Part of the culture of the new rules is to have matters case managed, uh, get a recommendation from a judge before people get into their fighting armor and start throwing mud at each other. Uh, but you're right, this was a pressing issue. So it also talks about the law of custody and access bill. Can you give us a high level overview? We're just, that we have more podcasts on these topics uh, on our uh, Family Law Now channel. So we're just gonna do sort of a brief overview. If you wanna learn more about these issues, uh, you'll find them on our other podcasts. So Bill? Well, thanks Russ. Uh, it, it, uh, the Divorce Act um, does apply to this case because the uh, these parents were married. Um, and uh, the factors, uh, the, the big factor, uh, no big surprise here is, is the best interests of the child. And uh, there's also uh, the Divorce Act mentions the condition of the child, the means, the needs of the child, and the other circumstances of the child. The, the key word is of the child. And that's, that, that's where the courts are always looking, what's best for the kid. Um, the uh, provincial um, legislation also applies. Um, and if they weren't married, this would be the only one that applied. But in this case, it's an additional um, thing, and uh, it's called the Children's Law Reform Act. Basically, it's it's uh, also the best interest of the child. They do kind of break it up into um, a bunch of factors they mention specifically. There's a lot of them, and the, the one here that jumped out at me in this case was, was they consider uh, the child's views and preferences, and uh, as you'll hear shortly, I think that was uh, a, a big deciding factor was the actual experience of the child in this case that's what kind of turned uh, turned everything it also examines the case law uh the this particular case said that there's only two decisions reported in canada following uh, reopening of schools so this would make it the third decision in canada and the first in ontario so this is going to provide lawyers and parents with a lot of guidance in terms of what decisions they should be making over the next couple of weeks the first decision in Quebec, uh, one of the uh, one of the family members suffered an autoimmune deficiency and or disease, and it was a high risk. Uh, so for those safety reasons, the court declined to order that child to go back to school. The second uh, decision, the Ontario court states that in Quebec that they took the approach. It's not for the courts rather for competent government authorities to, to assess the potential risk. And this is one of the concerns in this case, I think uh, we're gonna talk about in a minute, was dad wanted to wait and see what happened. There's no need for a court to question a government uh, policy or decision uh, unless one of the uh, parties demonstrate on the preponderance of the evidence that there's health at risk. Um, it goes on to state in Quebec, the child has the right to receive education in a school setting. If one of the parents cannot, in the context of a shared custody arrangement, provide for homeschool, then there's no reason to deprive the child of his right to attend school in person, which is kind of an interesting take. And it's not to be used in terms of custody. Uh, 
it also goes on to state it's up to both parties to support and motivate children uh, for the early return to school. So this is the parents' responsibility not to stoke the flames and, and get the kids scared, but to encourage them to go back to school. And there's no reason not to trust teachers and educational institutions to ensure that they have the appropriate safeguards in place. Um, so that's how the court reviewed the case law when considering what to do in Ontario. So Nafisa, what was the mother's main arguments in this case? So the mother in this case said that uh, it was her view that uh, the best interest of the child would be met if he returned to school. And she had a few reasons why. Um, one of them was that the child was in French immersion. She said that the parents didn't, they weren't fluent in French. So there was a difficult um, time assisting the child um, at home. Um, she also mentioned that the child struggled with uh, learning uh, independently. So um, this child would require um, uh, assistance uh, during the day while um, if uh, the option of online schooling was taken. Um, and, and also, um, she, she referred to the fact that, um, you know, uh, the home isolation part uh, really had an effect on her child, um, and it had become very difficult for her child to remain at home and was very isolated. It's been six months, um, and so she also pointed to that for her reasoning as to why she thought it was important for her child to go back to school. She also mentioned that she works full time. Um, and as we all know how difficult it is for parents, um, myself included, um, in terms of the demands of uh, managing work as well as um, homeschooling is it's very difficult. And she, she pointed to that as, as a reason as well. Um, she also said that it would be a lot of screen time for the child, which she didn't uh, think was in the child's best interest. And she also pointed to the fact that uh, she really felt that the child needed physical activity um, and being home was very limited, uh, limiting um, uh, the child's physical activity. So those are the main reasons that she, um, she pointed to for her reasoning as to why um, returning the child to school would be in his best interest. You can imagine if you live in one of the major, major centers in a condo, there's not a lot of opportunity to get exercise for these, for the whole generation, really. And right. with social distancing and all the rest of it. Bill, um, Dad had a different take. What were his arguments? Well, Dad um, pointed out that uh, in, in the spring during the lockdown, uh, they did uh, close the school and go online. And he, sort of, he felt that, well, we... It worked before, why can't it work again? Um, he also made a commitment to provide a level of exercise uh, for the child that would be comparable to what he'd get in, in school. Um, you know, uh, biking, rollerblading, hockey in the driveway, that kind of stuff. Um, he, uh, he did mention something about uh, screen time. Um, and he would limit, he promised to limit the screen time of the child, although the, the judge said, well, it looks like they're going to be increasing the online component, so the screen time is going to get, you know, it's going to balloon anyway. Uh, but he certainly had that um, that concern and wanted to limit screen time. And interestingly, uh, it's French immersion program. The father uh, apparently doesn't speak French because he offered to use Google Translate um, to assist with French instruction. I don't know how good Google Translate is these days, but that was his uh, approach. That might not have been the strongest argument of the day. But it's an argument, right?
No, it's right. I mean, he, he obviously, I don't think the father was acting in bad faith or anything like that. He has a genuine, genuine interest in, in trying to make this work. Did you want to jump in there, Nafisa? Yeah, I was just going to say um, the, the judge really felt that in this case that the father failed to address certain issues with regards to the, ch the child's best interest. So one of the things that the judge said was that the father didn't really uh, address the so social needs of the child um, after the six months of isolation and also didn't um, it failed to address how um, how that his plan would be able to be implemented by mother. So that was a very important um, uh, something that was lacking in father's position. Um, all of these suggestions were great for his ability to uh, continue with, you know, online schooling, but it didn't really meet um, her, uh, her ability to do so because of her job and stresses of her, her um, home environment. So. And that's the perils of self-representation. I'm just reading the head note and uh, apparently dad rep chose to represent himself. Had he retained a lawyer, some of these arguments may have been fleshed out in a little bit more detail. Uh, and the, the court may have come up with a different decision. But the court did a take a child focused approach. Uh, Michelle, can you tell us what that's all about? Oh, absolutely. I think it's so important um, that the court really focused on what was the best interest of the child because obviously mom and dad both want what's you know best for their child and their opinions on what's best for this child. But what the court really looked at was um, that, the, that the, the school system rather didn't hesitate in March to close down when they thought that there was going to be um, an issue and a safety risk for the kids. And both parties actually made reference to um, the, the Toronto Hospital for Sick Kids report, which I'm sure many parents like myself devoured. It's a big report, but it's really interesting, very detailed and medically focused. And the court found that if the Ontario government, you know, in consultation with Health Canada, sick kids, found that this was the best route for Ontario's children, that why should the court intervene and change that decision? And I thought that was really, um, really well thought out, really well reasoned, and um, was a good approach to adopt, and I think will be very helpful for all parents across Ontario, and even across Canada, because it gives us some idea of how the courts are going to be looking at these issues. Yeah, and then they tied that into an analysis, a legal analysis of household risk or risk of harm. And I think this is probably really where the case will turn. Uh, if there are risks, the court's going to err on the side of caution always, especially during a pandemic. But it takes some time to go through the analysis in terms of what parents should be considering if they're going to make an argument that homeschooling should be preferred over in-person attendance. One end of the analysis was examining if there's any underlying medical conditions members. And that, that goes back to the decision we talked about that came out of Quebec. There was an argument that there may need to be a uh, requirement to travel. Um, and it would be uh, unreasonable to withhold the child from school just in case um, a, a step parent's needs had changed. Uh, the father was worried about wearing an impact of, of a, the impact of a mask and how that would affect education, and the court didn't consider that sufficient. Um, the father also wanted to wait and see, you know, what are the stats, are there spikes, and the court indicated that the Ontario government will continue to monitor the risk and take the appropriate steps 
to protect the children. So really kicking the ball over to the public health officials and the government and or it's going to defer to government policy on this particular issue. Um, so that's kind of a, the court en ended up making an order that the, the mom could enroll the child in the, the specific school requested for in-person schooling that that was to be done by the mother and, and that the existing order was going to continue. Uh, because it's such a novel case, there were no costs ordered. So um, they didn't have to pay legal fees. So one person was self-represented in any event. But let's have it, let's, let's take another, uh, another look at our takeaways here. What are our thoughts? Do you think the court got it right? Do you want to go first, Nafisa? I think in this case, um, um, these particular facts, yes, I think that, you know, that I agree with the decision. I think it was um, well thought out. I think that um, the judge made it very clear as to what, what the reasoning was um, as to why um, uh, the, the judgment was made. It's a very difficult decision. Um, and what I, what I found interesting about the case was that the judge really um, emphasized that, you know, the mother and the father delegated this important decision to her uh, and, and you know she, he hadn't met them she, he hadn't met the child and really um, encouraged parties to try and attempt to um, deal with these issues themselves through mediation through assistance of counsel um, because the decision making then is in your hands it's, you're empowered to make those decisions rather than delegating that authority to someone who doesn't know your family doesn't know your circumstances um, and is put in a position where they're making that um, that important decision for for your child and 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 for your child's life. So I think that that was an important um, uh, point that the judge was uh, made in his decision. There's a resource argument too. There's only so many re judicial resources. We can't have a flood of back to school cases every time uh, school starts up. We see this theme in other cases. And during the pandemic, the first paragraph of almost every decision is the courts want lawyers and parents to work this out. Don't come to court. We don't have the resources. Um, and so that's certainly a theme that we're seeing. Michelle, what's your take on all this? I agree. I think the court did get it right on these particular circumstances. Funny enough, my oldest is going into grade four French immersion. So I understand some of the concerns the dad has. Um, and I'm struggling with some of them as well. But, you know, the reality is that school is important for kids. Um, you know, they, they've been out for quite some time and there may be a second wave and kids may have to be out again for a couple of months this year into next year. How much are we going to keep, you know, how much are they going to um, get out of being out of school for maybe up to a year? So I think it's important. I also think that the um, risk factors are also very important. If this had been a different case, if this had been a case where either parent or maybe a sibling or a step parent had severe health issues, um, I think that the courts would have lent a lot of weight to that and would have maybe come up with a different decision. But in this particular case with these facts, I think the court got it right. Yeah, I think if dad had counsel in this case, there would have been a very thorough examination of everybody's health condition and. Um, possibly a different argument and a different result. Bill, what do you think of all this? What's your takeaway here? And what do you have for our listeners? Well, Russ, my takeaway on this is, is the, judge, the judge's comment um, that the consensus uh, uh, of the government and the health uh, 
medical experts is that it's not 100% safe send the kids back but that has the risk has to be balanced with the downsides of staying home and and, and there, what, what stuck uh, stuck out for me was the judge saying you know it's one thing to be isolated when everyone was isolated last spring but uh, what is the potential impact on the child's mental health once his peers are back in school and this kid isn't and I, I, that just really struck me uh, the judge is saying that this could really have a a mental health impact on this nine-year-old. Um, so I think uh, I think in this case, they got the, the right decision. And school's tough for kids in the best of uh, cases. Last thing they wanna be do, happen is be singled out or come, in a, come into the system three, four months late and then you'll be behind in your studies. And um, yep. yeah, it's just gonna exasperate everything. Great tip, Bill. Uh, this case certainly, I think, is helpful because it provides guidance to the family law bar. Um, it'll be interesting in six months or a year from now if uh, we're going to be still having this discussion or if this will be just secondhand news. But right now, it's pretty groundbreaking for Ontario, at least. The, there are lots of people out there, lots of parents, lots of our listeners and viewers are scared. Uh, rightly, rightly so. Circumstances change initially almost daily or hourly. Uh, we still probably are 12 or 18 months if we get a vaccine until we're out of this. So it's completely normal to be scared and to want to protect your children. Uh, but the court's doing a really tough balancing act here in terms of mental health, other issues. Uh, Canada seems to be doing well in terms of our infection rate right now, but that can change. Um, so who knows where, where this is going to lead us. But any final thoughts before we do our send off, Nafisa? I think that uh, in a pandemic, uh, things will change. And, and, and this is the first decision of many, I think. So I think uh, it's important to make sure that um, you, if you have any questions that you go to a lawyer, you understand the impact of the, the recent cases, because there's going to be more and it, it is fact driven. Yeah, Michelle? Final thoughts for our listeners? Absolutely. There. Um, as, as we always say at our firm, you know, we're collaborative lawyers. We want to try to resolve these issues first ourselves without going to court. Um, you know, in this situation, it's pretty much a winner or a loser situation. But maybe there could have been things that the parties could have agreed to to make this transition a little bit easier. Um, so again, you know, try your best, try to resolve things. If you have a good lawyer, they're not going to say, let's run to court and let's bring a motion. It's going to be, let's work this out. Let's see what we can do so that the kids' best interests are at heart. And that's the responsible thing to do. The money you're going to save on your lawyers, you can easily put towards a Christmas presents or an RESP or spend it on your children in a much more effective way. Uh, Bill, final thoughts for our listeners, parents out there? Well, um, uh, it does, uh, the judge does uh, uh, comment that um, they, they didn't hesitate to close the schools in the spring. And if uh, things get out of hand, they'll close them again. So someone is monitoring this. That's very insightful, Bill. Well, I want to thank our guests for taking uh, the time out today on very short notice to help us get this decision out to the public. I want to thank our listeners and viewers for listening and watching us today. You can like this video, you can subscribe, there'll be a bell at the bottom, you can get notice of our upcoming videos. 
You can comment at the bottom in the box. We will endeavor to answer everybody's comments at the end of each week. You can share this with your friends, family, and colleagues. Um, please stay safe and thank you for listening today.